God, I thank you that you have uh, not left us alone uh, to our own devices and our own thoughts, but that instead, Lord, you have given us your word, you have revealed yourself to us through your Son, and you have uh, given us hope and healing. Thank you for all that we have already celebrated this morning. Help us today uh, in your word uh, to find peace, Lord, and instruction. Help us to be uh, doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in a series called Peace House. Peace House. Um, it's not peace out, it's peace house. Uh, we are looking at a question, how can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? And we started with the first time that the God we worship, Yahweh, was described as the Lord is peace. And that was by Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And Gideon had an interaction with the angel of the Lord speaking to him. And this is, the angel of the Lord gave him instructions for what to do in life. And I think it's very relevant to us in our personal lives, to us as citizens of Baltimore City, and to us in our neighborhoods. Gideon essentially said, my life experiences of violence and being taken advantage of don't line up with what God is saying is possible. I'm not strong enough, resourced enough, smart enough, or talented enough to do what God is saying. I don't have what it takes to bring change. And yet, I have interacted with God, who is about peace. And after interacting with God, I have to say, God's got this. God has what it takes to bring peace where there is now no peace. So let's do this. We, we looked at that because the peace of God, in Hebrew, the shalom, and Gideon said, Yahweh is shalom. God is a God of peace, is a much deeper than what we just get from English. In fact, the, the earliest manuscripts that we have of the Hebrew text being translated into Greek, which Greek is more expressive than English, just to geek out for a second, that they used more than 20 Greek words to try to describe this God kind of peace that was expressed in the single Hebrew word shalom. And so we find it necessary just like, let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. And let's make sure that when we read the scripture that we have kind of a well-rounded, accurate, truthful understanding of what, what God is saying. And so from that, we have tried to simplify a little bit the, the biblical text and idea of it. And you see on the screen a definition, peace. A state of being in good health. Able to function at full capacity. Able to rest. And free from conflict or danger in every area of your life and in every relationship. This morning, I'm not going to have time to give... Um, I, yeah any summary of the last two Sundays, but they've been really good and they're very important and I wish that you would listen to them. Today we're going to focus on building relationships in the neighborhood. Now I know our immediate response to that thought is, I ain't got time for this. Oh, am I the only human in the room? I don't have time for this. Do you know my life? I got a J-O-B. I got problems. I got challenges. I got 
There are people after me for stuff and, and money, and that's just my kids. <laughs> and in, in, a, in a sense, this is an easy topic to talk with us about because we're actually pretty good at this. Um, but what I would like to do is, with a little bit of scripture, deepen our conviction and inspire us to take new steps in this year. Uh, yesterday, I really enjoyed going to see the Avengers movie with the Beatty clan, the fam, uh, poor choice of words, family and friends and neighbors. Um, I, I like Steve and Melinda and the way that they bring their neighbors into their home all the time. There's so many stories, so many examples in this room, Justin and Rebecca. There's so many examples in this room of people that are really good at this. And so, but it doesn't go without saying. Let's take a look at a couple of scriptures. I'm going to put them on the screen for the sake of time today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. This is Paul writing to Christians, just like you and I, about God and what God has done in this area. And he's referring specifically to this shalom peace. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. It's a very important fundamental understanding of the context of personal relationship with God. It's not a free-for-all, do whatever the heck you want, live however the heck you want. No, freedom and peace with God is conditional in a sense that how you relate to him and what you receive from him are conditions upon which this exists. Oh, that was really good. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It doesn't matter what your week or even what your morning was like. You're fussing at each other in the car on the way here this morning. It doesn't matter. Through Jesus, you can be forgiven. You can be made clean. And God can look at you as pure and faultless. You may not look at yourself that way, but God does through Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 takes this further in a very specific way that is relevant to us today. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, you may have seen this diagram or some form of this diagram in the past to kind of explain what's called the four spiritual laws of this good news. Guess what? I bring you good news today. <laughs> now, you have probably seen or heard uh, this diagram to help explain how Jesus brings good news, 
how the cross of Christ and receiving this work of Christ and atonement for your sins has taken us from a place of being irreparably, how do I pronounce that? Irreparably, okay. Separated from God because of our own sin, which by the way, you were born into thanks to Adam and Eve. The cross of Christ, the good news of Christ, it certainly is a bridge to give us an opportunity to be one with Christ. But more than that, as we relate to each other as humans, we can, just like the Jews felt about everybody else in the world, we can feel superior to others. It might be your white privilege. It might be aspects of your African-American heritage, or we have Africans in the room, Asian, South Asian, There may be aspects of your identity with your education or your economic status in which you feel superior to others. And in that respect, going once you have come to a place of now being reunited with God, the gospel and the good news is more than a bridge. It is a sledgehammer to break down the walls that we put up between ourselves. Our government may be building a wall, but I am telling you that the cross of Christ is a sledgehammer to break down the walls that we use to separate each other. This is relevant in how we look at each other in this room and how we relate to any other human. There should be nothing about any other human, how they walk, talk, smell, look like, Their size, their shape, my shape kind of changes here and there. Their size, their shape, their preferences, their orientation, binary, not binary. There should be nothing that can separate us from each other. Christianity, historically, by comparison, has been the most inclusive faith. And if we are following Christ, it should yet be. Oh, that was really good. Oh, Pastor Ben! That was so good. There should be no barrier too great for us to break through so that we may bring peace. We are all created equal in God's image and our creator wants us to love each other in this way. It is my mission. It is your mission. It is our mission as a church family. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 22 through 23. Justin referred to this in uh, our Friday night Faith and Reason workshop. We were looking at the question, is it reasonable to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Most of you were here that night. Great time together. This was in my notes before Justin quoted it. I'm just having having a little fun. Just having a little fun. (laughs) I try to find common ground with everyone. That's not the coffee shop down the street that he's talking about. I try to find common ground with everyone. See, I always have an everything bagel and coffee on my mind. I just smoke salmon maybe too. I try, okay, sorry, I got distracted. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Now, I don't have time to fully develop this. This is really important. What he does not say is, I am trying to manipulate people. I am trying to fix others. I'm trying to get them to look and smell and walk and talk like me. No. I'm trying to share the good news and its blessings. I've got 
peace like a river. That's what he's talking about. You may remember we just did a series about the Good Samaritan. Now, as it relates to your relationship with your neighbors, maybe it's your cubicle neighbor, or maybe it's your workplace or school neighbor, or maybe it's the neighbor in the house right next to you, here's what it requires of us. As Jesus follows up this, hey, what's the most important thing of all of it? Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor. Agape, love your neighbor as you take care of yourself. And then he tells a story, and what does his story include? It includes compassion. God has not asked us to reach out to others without compassion. Quite the contrary, it should be looked at as a requirement. Compassion, courage, it's going to take courage. Creativity, commitment, cash, and credit. Now, I'm talking about building relationship with your neighbor. I'm about building relationship with your neighbor. And really, we can't talk about that and... I've got six minutes to give you 30 minutes of content. We can't talk about that without also talking about building rapport. On the screen, you see a picture of uh, Jimi Hendrix and Mick Jagger. And one of the things that I like about that picture is that you see listening going on. You see listening going on. Alan Alda, the star of the TV show MASH, that some of us are old enough to remember, at least in reruns, has written a book called, If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? <laughs> my Adventures in the Art and Science of Relating and Communicating. Um, I've heard Alan, I've not read the book, but I've heard him talk about it um, for about 90 minutes worth of discussion about this. Alan had a... Um, a show about science where he interviewed scientists. And uh, through that, he had a lot of experiences of frustration where he was he was not able to understand the scientists. And he's not just a funny um, actor who played a womanizer on TV, uh, which, by the way, does not hold up very well because it's pretty bad. Bad behavior is still bad behavior. Uh, anyway, side note, it's not that he wasn't smart enough to understand the scientists because back when Atari was like the new uh, computer game system, he actually programmed his Atari um, so that it would relate to him like a psychotherapist. So it would ask him questions and he would talk talk to it. He'd type in answers to the questions and then it would ask him another question and then he would type in answers. To, he programmed his Atari to do this. It's a true story. And then at the 60 minutes was up, he said, now your hour is done. And that's what he programmed his Atari to do. So it wasn't that he wasn't smart. It was that what he found in the conversations with scientists, uh, he was not able to understand what they were communicating. And they were frustrated, and he was frustrated. And he actually grabbed one of the leading scientists of all the world. He grabbed him by the cheeks to help get his attention and say, I'm not understanding what you're saying. <laughs> one of the things that gets said in my house is, if the two people do not understanding each other, do not understand each other. It's not communication. Right now, um, Alan Alda has uh, directed a course that he developed uh, at a university, nine years running now, to train scientists in how to communicate. And he's using something that I enjoy immensely to do that, and that's improv, uh, where you, you improv- improvisational acting. And uh, you might say, what on earth are you taking time on a Sunday morning to talk about this? I'm so glad you asked. One of the 
the easiest things to do in a human interaction is to have a conversation where really what you're thinking about is what you're going to say next. I've done it. I've probably done it to some of you. All of you. I don't know. Right? We're equal opportunity offenders. So it's easy to be thinking about what you're going to say next in while you're having a conversation with somebody else. And bad acting, which right now y'all are spoiled with good acting in various streaming forms and in movies. Bad acting is not very believable. It just doesn't kind of hit home. You don't like the characters when the actors are thinking about their lines instead of interacting with the other person. And just as, as a side note, some of you know, you know, I've, I've been an actor and a director and involved in this world a little bit. An actor's not going to be able to be believable. The scene, whether it's funny or drama, uh, it's, the scene's not going to be believable. It's not going to draw you in until they've gotten the content memorized to the point where they're not thinking about it anymore. They're able to be fully engaged and they're able to truly listen to the other person while they're in that moment. And what improv does is that you don't have lines. And um, a lot of the scientists that Alan Alda has put through this course of teaching them improv and how to do improv have been scared spitless. One, one actor has said, I, I was thinking about trying to fake a uh, heart attack so I wouldn't have to do it, right? <laughs> I love doing improv. We used to have a group and we would do uh, improv on a regular basis. I love it. One of the things that it teaches you the skill of is to listen to the other person and to respond to them with whatever you're going to say next. It, it forces you to listen. It's Excellent skill. And when it's really good, when you have an improv group, group that are, and there are actually some here on the avenue uh, next door at Five and Dime and down at Zissimo's that are doing it every week now, a really good improv group is where they trust each other. Yeah. They feel safety. They feel that we are a team. We are committed to each other. And the other person is not going to do something to harm me. And when actors feel that measure of safety, they can do improv at a whole nother level. It's way more enjoyable. Why am I talking about this? Even if it's just 30 second or less conversations on the street with your neighbor, if they feel safe in a conversation with you, it matters. Now, I believe there's a ton of scripture to back up these closing uh, thoughts today. We must have a deep commitment to listening, even when it's hard. We must. And here's one of the main thoughts that I want you to walk away from today. Let us love by listening. Seeking to build relationships in our neighborhood, let us love by listening. You don't don't manipulate them into a sixty minute conversation if they're only comfortable with six seconds. Let us love by listening, even when it's hard. And here I put this on the screen specifically because I want to be clear about what I am saying and what I am not saying. Let us love by listening with an intent to understand. Let us not listen with an intent to argue, to win. Let us listen with an intent to understand the other person with these questions in our thoughts. When they throw out a question, what is the question underneath their question? What have they experienced? Where are they hurting? 
One of the politicians in Baltimore that I respect so much was being interviewed a whole lot three years ago uh, during the unrest that we experienced when Freddie Gray lost his life. And he got frustrated to the point and he said, why don't you just call them thugs? Because, and I, I was interviewed by somebody in the press that, that week too. And my experience was that they were not listening to me. And and Buck Showalter, the coach of the Orioles, which we discovered last night, the Orioles are not very good at baseball. Um, Buck Showalter, maybe they're going to try to get that tight end that the Ravens drafted to pitch for him. I'm not sure. Um, he, he was a pitcher. He pitched for the Pirates. So Buck Showalter was being interviewed in that week of unrest and all this going on. And he basically the interviewer was trying to ask him, do you tell your players how they should behave? And Buck like just kind of stopped the whole conversation and backed up and said, listen, I'm, I'm white. I'm not African American. I, I, I haven't had those life experiences. And, 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 and if you read between the lines of everything that he said in that interview, everything, what you heard in him is like, I've had a privileged life. I don't know what life is like growing up in the city of Baltimore, living in poverty. I don't know what that's like. Why would I tell anybody else how to behave? And what he said explicitly, his actual quote was, I'm going to be very slow to tell anyone else how they should feel. For me, in the last three years of Baltimore, what is on my heart is, what have you experienced that is causing you to feel this way. If I don't, if I don't have that in my makeup, in my motive, in my, in the whole system of me trying to build rapport and relationship with neighbors, even if they're whatever they are, I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna be self-absorbed person that thinks I'm better than the other person trying to fix them. And let me just tell you something, that doesn't go far. People can smell that a mile away. It's not attractive. It's not Jesus. You notice that people, rich and poor, that were far from God, wanted to be around Jesus? Even the ones that got a miracle. They wanted to be around Him. So one of the questions that I ask myself in, in the grid of evaluating myself if I'm becoming more like Christ is, do people who are, quote, far from God want to be around me? Like that, that's a, an important question. So, Okay, here's my several points. (laughs) And I'm four minutes over. We love by listening and learning. This is how we build rapport, build relationship with our neighbors. Love by listening and learning. And what, what is required in order to do that is you have to be available to do it. What is very helpful to it is if you're praying for them privately in your own time. That will put your heart at the right place, your motives at the right place when you're actually with them. It'll put you in the right state of mind. I, I keep um, a list on my phone of all the houses on our street, and it helps me pray for those people. If I'm praying for them on a regular basis, then when I bump into them at those what seem like random times, my heart is changed. I'm ready for the interaction praying for them, enjoying life with them. Did you know that God's not waiting for you to quote scripture to them? Now that may be the right thing to do at some point, 
But lighten up a little bit. Why so serious? <laughs> Enjoy life with your neighbors. Speak encouragement to them. We talked about them. Speak life. You know, I love the fact that you do this. You're so great. Enjoy life with them. Speak encouragement to them. Find a need and meet it together. Maybe your neighbor is venting frustration about something in the neighborhood. It's okay. Be angry with them. I know that's terrible. What can we do about it? Hey, here's an idea. Why don't we try to do this together in order to address that? So our family, we participate in the garbage cleanups in the neighborhood. Can I have two more minutes? Okay. Pastor Ben, I ain't got time for any of this. I love you, and I'm going to say this to you with love. When we say, I don't have time, what we are saying is, it's not a priority to me. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for my neighbors. You know what? Your house will not be in heaven. Your car, thank God, will not be in heaven. Your bank account will not be in heaven. Your neighbors, will they? This, this is what we can't do in heaven. When we get there, it's done. What does God value? We need to ask ourselves a question. Very quickly introduce this slide. For me in my life, every year, and sometimes multiple times a year, I revisit these questions. What are my roles? And under each role, what are my goals? So for me, personally, my first role is that I'm a Jesus follower. Before I'm male or female, before I'm any other thing, I am a Jesus follower first. Most definitely before I'm of any political persuasion. I am a Jesus follower first. What are my roles and what are my goals? And every year, for me personally, I set goals in my relationship with God. And after that, before I got anything to do with any of you in this room, I'm a husband. Before my relationship with you. That's why on Monday, I don't respond to you. I love you. My family is a priority. What are my roles? What are my goals? I set a goal for myself as a husband. After husband, I'm a father. I look at what is my role as a father? What is the Bible? What does God have to say about my role as a father? And then what goals do I set? And then from there, I'm a pastor. And then from there, I'm a neighbor. And I'm a citizen of this city. And I'm a citizen. You know what? I'm a citizen of this nation way down on the list, which is why I personally spend less time on politics and the news of the day than I do on these other issues. God cares about how I'm relating to my neighbors a heck of a lot more than my thoughts on... (laughs) Under each role where I filled out goals, I also ask myself this question, how may I serve? Because Jesus talked about serving a lot. How may I serve... And how may I surprise? I'm still working on that one. I'm not always very good at it. How may I surprise the people in my life? In my neighborhood, we have, uh, when we first moved here, we had a lot of firefighters. And uh, just building a relationship, talking with people on the street, where shoveling snow, sweeping the cement. Never knew that was a thing before moving here. Um, 
And I, I, all of a sudden, I, I come to this realization. There's like six houses in this, on this street. There's firefighters here in the next street down. Now, half, more than half of them moved to the suburbs since. But, and then what happened through conversations is I, I learned that they're uh, playing in a soccer league together, almost all of them. It's like, oh, well, I love soccer. Why so serious? <laughs> I get out and kicking a ball around with them. And through that, I'm in relationship. And through that, I'm a recognized face on the street. And through that, what happens one day is that one of my neighbors who's a firefighter comes home from work. I happen to be outside. And what had just happened was there had been a traffic accident and a police car struck a fire truck and the police officer was killed. And this police officer was going through a divorce and had been sleeping at the fire station of my neighbor. And my neighbor was on the truck and was on the scene and discovered this guy who was a friend dead. I was there and I helped him unpack. And I loved him by listening. He's moved out to the suburbs since, but he still communicates with me because I loved him by listening. On days when it wasn't something serious. He was trying to lose weight. He was trying to figure out how to work his way up in the ranks in the fire department. He wanted to talk about all the cigars and all these other things and wanted to complain about politics and all these other things, right? I loved him by listening. And in that, I built a rapport. And in that, I built a relationship. And that's how I found out that the fire department had this really robust chaplain program and the police department had zero. And that's what led to me getting involved in our city in a different way. You can love somebody just by listening with an intent to understand. This is how your home can bring peace to your neighborhood. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Thank you for the extra six minutes. (laughs) I hear the Waybrights are preparing really good food, so be happy. (laughs) Um, Before I close in prayer... Today you will notice the the church van, a minivan that is green, right outside the exit here, and it is currently unlocked, and in it are bags of non-perishable groceries. And um, if you got one of my emails and actually read it this week, um, one of the things that we have in community partnership is an opportunity to give away non-perishable groceries. And earlier in the week I asked you to pray about, who do I know that's in need? Who could use a little bit of love, a little bit of support? And so today, I'm going to ask you, even if you're not yet sure who, to take a bag of groceries with you and to use it. Give it away. Give it to somebody who's in need. And if you want three, take three. Take them. Take them and give them away. This is a church where we have recognized that God's love gives. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are so good. That where we feel inadequate or where we've not done the right thing, that you forgive, that you love us, that you give us fresh opportunity, that today is a new day. Lord, that in you there is new life. I thank you that you have put us in this world, in this place of pressure and problems, so that we can love others by listening. Help us to build rapport, to build relationships, to show your love by listening first. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.